Hey everybody, it's Eugene Driscoll of ValleyIndy.org. Welcome back to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie podcast. It's been on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in a while, but I did do something like 12, 13, 14 video podcasts or vlogs or whatever you want to call them during the Great Give May 1st and May 2nd. But I'm returning this podcast. Uh, my guest is Anthony Rodia. He is a stand-up comic, and he's appearing June 29th at the Strand Theater up in Seymour. You'll uh, learn more if you click uh, or don't click anything. Just listen to the rest of this podcast. Oh, wait, somebody's calling me. My daughter, Emma, is here. What's going on, Emma? I was just trying to record an intro to a podcast. You were just on the river walk riding your bike. How'd it go? Woo! Okay. What'd you come in? What's going on? I have gum. <laughs> you do have gum, yeah. That's strong gum. Okay. Well, okay, don't you get breathing into my uh, cell phone here. So I just wanted to, before I get into this podcast with, with Anthony, I wanted to remind people that the Derby Summerfest. The Derby Summerfest is coming up Saturday, June 29th on the Derby Green from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. This used to be known as uh, Derby Day, but they've rebranded it. They want to relaunch it, rebirth it. So it's coming up Saturday, June 29th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on the Derby Green. Uh, it's featuring the I'm great... A you are a kid. The great <laughs> Hoosy Duck Race is happening uh, during the great derby summer fest and the actual that's when you like you buy a raffle ticket in advance and you have a chance to win up to ten thousand dollars first prize is ten thousand dollars grand prize i mean ten thousand uh, dollars during the annual hoosie river duck race and that is going to be at twelve thirty p.m as part of that derby summer fest like i mentioned uh, so to purchase tickets, you can call the school office because it benefits the St. Mary St. Michael School. Give them a call at 203-735-6471. Again, it's 203-735-6471. So again, Derby Summerfest. Please support it. It's a great event. Saturday, June 29th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have all kinds of live music, entertainment, uh, food, treats, petting zoo. I believe the Boy Scouts are there each year. There's all stuff, uh, all kinds of stuff going on. And then at 12:30 during Derby Summerfest, head on over to the bridge and watch a, a bunch of rubber duckies float down the Housatonic to raise money for St. Mary St. Michael School in Derby with a $10,000 grand prize. Buy a raffle ticket, and you have a chance to win $10,000. Ooh, I am blabbing. Okay, without further ado, here is my interview with Anthony Rodia, a stand-up comic who is appearing in Seymour at the Strand Theater uh, later in the day, June 29th. Thank you. All right, so on the line with me is stand-up comedian Anthony Rodia. Of, hey, wow, no, you said my name right. I, you know, you know what? That was my biggest concern. I, I sat here. I had to spell it out. It's R O D I A, but not not yeah. Rodia. It's Rodia. I watched some of your yeah, videos. Yeah, no, I'm 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 impressed. I'm impressed. I sometimes feel like I should capitalize just a D, but that would just that would be kind of idiotic. So. That, that's, but yeah, I get called Rodia Radio, but no, you said it right first yeah. time. All right, so we're off to a good start. And Anthony will be <laughs> appearing. June 29th at the Strand Theater up here in Seymour, Connecticut. Uh, it's presented by Treehouse Comedy Productions, my uh, Facebook friend Brad Axelrod's uh, group there. For tickets, go to treehousecomedy.com. And to get videos and related content and funny stuff from Anthony, go to rodiacomedy.com, R-O-D-I-A.com. Then follow him on Instagram, 
uh, slash Rodia Comedy, Facebook.com Rodia Comedy. He's known as uh, his Uncle Vinny character. Is that correct, Anthony? Yeah, and ironically, the Uncle Vinny character uh, is after my dad. But when I made him, I, I couldn't just – it just worked better having him as an uncle. Right, right. Um, you know, but then when I, I – and I, I was – not that I was scared, but I'm like – my sister's like, are you going to tell daddy that this whole thing is after him? I'm like, I don't know how he'll take it. And uh, I, t- I actually said it at one of my shows. Uh, he was in the audience. And uh, he took it a lot better than I thought. I mean, he's basically shaking me down now <laughs> for, uh, for royalties. He uh, he said to me the other day, I said, uh, you know, so you don't mind that this whole character is after you? He goes, no, but, uh, you know, your father's retired. Do I make anything? I'm like, excuse me? No, you don't, you don't make anything. You get to see your son uh, do something with himself that he likes doing. I'm like, what else do you want? <laughs> Anthony, where did you grow up? I grew up in Westchester, New York, New Rochelle. Oh, okay. Hey, I went to Iona. Look at that. Oh yeah, yeah. Iona. Those are the, those are the days, man. North Avenue. Yeah, I was there in the uh, the proof is in the people days. I'm 45, so I was like, uh, I guess now it's pretty good. But back when I went, anybody could uh, could get in. Hey, listen, you you only, you only got five years on me. So <laughs> oh, I, was, right. I was there around the same time. Oh man, you look a lot younger the, uh, than I do. I guess I I'm... use like a uh, a Nutella egg yolk face mask at night. Seriously? Which is good because you can eat it after. No, no, I did no face mask. No uh, face what, what was the, what was the family like growing up there in New Rochelle? And I'm asking you all this because like your your your, your heritage, your Italian heritage, and your father, like you said, play an important role uh, in your comedy. So, what was it like growing up uh, in New Rochelle? Um, I mean, I have a huge family. My grandfather, I believe, is one of fifteen. Um, so, I mean, and all my, for the most part, all my cousins and uncles and aunts, they all live in New Rochelle, but, uh, it was awesome. I mean, listen, having a big family has its ups and downs, um, which is why now I live in Long Island because you know, I want to be, I'm like 30 minutes, I'm 30 minutes. So I tell everybody I'm close enough where you can come by, I can come by, but you're also far enough where I don't have to see you every time I go to a store or, you know, a supermarket. Uh, but it was cool. It was fun. I mean, we still have huge family barbecues and, and parties, and it's nonstop, you know, breaking chops and, and messing with each other. So I, I've got a very loud, um, energetic Italian family, and I think that's what, you know, that's what kind of not led me into comedy. I always knew I wanted to do it, but that's where I get a lot of my material from. But now that I'm in it, I, I realize that it's not – you don't have to be Italian to appreciate it because it's old school in general. You know, it's that old school upbringing where uh, this, you know, the mentality and the things you heard growing up. Yeah, and like th- and the way you described your father, right? It, was he? Uh, was he first generation? Did he come over from Italy, or is or his father? Uh, did? Both, like- both, both of my parents are, are were born in Italy. They both came over around the same time. Um, somehow, my mom uh, lost her accent, and my father's accent got worse. So I don't know how <laughs> that happened. I, I think I mean a lot of it had to. She went to school when she got here. I think she came over a couple years uh, before him. But uh, yeah, both my parents were born there. Um, his accent is. <laughs> let's just say I don't think I'll ever run out of material. So I I told him I said, listen, Dad, you got to get healthy because I need you you know alive and healthy for another at least twenty five years. Then you could deteriorate if you'd like. But I need I need ongoing material. And what but, kind of uh, work? It's endless. What kind of work did your dad do growing up? Dad was a carpenter. Did your mom work? Yeah, my mom was, uh, she's always been in sales and retail. She's been a manager um, in sales and retail, and he's always, he's been a carpenter all his life. He was a carpenter. He was, 
you know, he had a small landscaping business on the side, but always, uh, always worked with his hands, uh, uh, growing up. And there's that mentality. Yeah. And there's that, you know, that old school mentality, uh, with guys like that, uh, you know, the work ethic and, and supporting your family and all that good stuff. Uh, when you started to go into comedy, was your father thinking, you know, what are you doing here? How can you make a living uh, doing that? No, su- surprisingly enough, my dad and my mom, I mean, they I've always been a jokester, always. I mean, my mother came into school to sit down next to me because I was skipping Italian class. <laughs> and thank God I went to this class that day. She comes in and she sits down next to me. And mo- nine out of ten kids, it would embarrass them. You're a senior in high school. You're pretty popular, and your mom's in school with you. And she went to every class with me. And wait, was that I like school mandated? Was that like she had because you were? Why was she there? No, she called up, and they were like, "Listen, he's skipping class." And she goes, "Would you guys mind if I went to school with him for the rest of the day, just without <laughs> telling him?" So she comes in my class, sits down next to me, and long story short, I'm like, "Ma, you can't come with me to every class." She's like, "No, I can." And just to kind of you know show the mentality I always had. I said, all right, well, I have, I have lunch next period. She's like, well, I'm coming. I'm like, you're not having lunch with me in high school. And she's like, yes, I am. So we sit down, and all my friends are you know, breaking my chops. Ah, your mom's in school. She's talking to all my friends. And the bell rings, and she's like, come on, let's go. I go, Ma, I have lunch. She's like, you had lunch last period. I go, no, last period I had English. You just cut class with your son. You're a horrible example. <laughs> and she ended up getting embarrassed and ended up leaving. But I've been like this my whole life. And uh, it was surprising that when I wanted to get into comedy, they, I mean, they both have supported the hell out of me. My dad loves it. You know, he loves that, you know, he goes out now and people recognize, you know, that he's my dad and they bring me up and my mom, the same thing. But uh, they've been huge, huge supporters of it. And how about in terms of, and this is a a cliche question, I'll apologize in advance, but who were the comedians that uh, you, uh, you know, adored growing up? Who who were your uh, guys or or women, I guess? Uh... My comedy inspirations, all the old school guys, my uh, my all-time love um, in terms of comedy was Robin Williams. Um, it's it's kind of like Robin Williams-esque when I'm on stage because if you close your eyes at one point in my show, you'll actually think there's like three or four people on stage. You know, I get into my, my stories and the accents, but I loved Robin Williams, Rodney Dangerfield, um, Jeff Car- uh, Carlin. Uh, let's see, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, mm. George Collin, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, um, all the old school guys. And I feel like comedy now, everyone's like walking on eggshells because they don't want to offend somebody or this and that. And I, I, I kind of bring it back to the old school way of doing comedy where, if, listen, if you're going to sit there and dissect a comedy show or a comedian, you should not be in the audience for yeah, a comedy show. How tough is that? I mean, I know, uh, you know, I've heard uh, the the clubs in like Manhattan, the the Comedy Cellar, or places like that. Now uh, it's and I have I'm I'm not a, no expert on comedy, but I've listened to a couple of podcasts. All right, that's my right. But how tough is it uh, uh, to be funny these days when you got people taping you? And there is that sort of uh, people are looking to be outraged now. I think uh, it does it does it that, is it a real yeah, thing? No, that's it. That's a perfect way of saying it. That's what I feel. I feel like it is like people go out wanting to be outraged. They go out wanting to get. Oh, I want to get pissed off tonight. I want to get offended. And the city clubs, I think, are more so that. Like people go because you've got 
listen, I'm, I'm 39 years old. This generation growing up today is scary. I mean, you've got all these people that are so quick to find the negative in something and complain about something. So I don't really do the clubs. What I did was when I came back into comedy, because I did it about 15 years ago, and I took a, a huge amount of time off, and <clears throat> I jumped on social media. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create my own crowd. I'm going to attack a certain you know, audience. I'm going to get my own audience. That way now when I do shows, I have my own audience there. So I answer everyone back. People message me nonstop. I, I mean, I, I'll sit home at 11 o'clock at night and get back to 180 messages on social media because I don't want to lose that contact. But I'll answer them back. So they throw a dig. They're like, oh, I hate this guy. And then I'll answer them back. I'm like, yeah, I can't stand him. And I was looking at your uh, your schedule. I mean, you do a lot of appearances. You Google your name. It's like it, it seems you're you're out and about in the tri-state area a lot. And you just mentioned that you're you're on social media. That's how you've sort of built your own audience, as opposed to yeah. pre-internet days when you'd you know I guess be a club comic and and do that whole grind that I know nothing about other than watching that HBO show crashing. But on the other hand, you've got. I watch uh, the show. Oh, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, but you've got a wife and, and a daughter. How young or how old is your daughter? My daughter is going to be four in oh, okay. Uh, October. Okay. Yeah. So how do you uh, manage the family time and the obligations that come and demands that come with being uh, a, you know, the father of a four-year-old with this schedule that requires you to sort of uh, you know, be constantly connected to the Internet and talking to people? And making videos and, um, and appearances and all that good stuff. It's it's tough, man. Um, the toughest supporter that I had to get on my side was my wife. Because, I mean, I had a great job, you know, great full-time job. So if you ever want to piss off an Italian wife, any <laughs> wife in general, tell her that you as the main breadwinner of the house and the only one working is going to leave his job and do comedy full-time. <laughs> I mean, if you want a reaction out of someone that's like – she goes, she, I thought she literally had a stroke as I told her. And she's like, well, you're what? She's like, no, just do it on the side. And I started to explain to her, number one, I can't do it on the side anymore. It's getting too busy where I was up until four o'clock in the morning making videos because I don't want to go more than a day without putting some sort of content out there. Because you, you, once you take your foot off the pedal, that's it. You're going to kind of have a lapse. Um, but it's it's tough, and I, I you know I was only contributing maybe thirty percent of my time to the comedy, and it was growing. So I said I want to contribute a hundred percent. Now it's getting kind of crazy. It's I, I you know I'm starting to have shows. Um, I think we're building a, a little mini tour in uh, like St. Louis, L.A., uh, Florida. Uh, I'm going to be hitting Pennsylvania soon. So now it's it's not as hard because I go to drive to do a show in Jersey or in Connecticut, and I come home. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm going to have to fly out and I'm not going to be home for a week and a half, um, I might be divorced by December. Who knows? <laughs> that's on the um, whole other level. How did you it, arrive at the decision, tough. though? Because that, that's fascinating because I didn't realize you were you're, you're in comedy. You did it for a while. And what, then you left, took a job. And I, I don't know what order your wife entered uh, uh, the, the, the picture. But talk about that, that, that decision to, to leave and then uh, come back. Well, it was it was tough back then to do comedy. It was tough, man. Without the internet, you you couldn't get you couldn't get out to anyone unless you did the comedy clubs. And when you do that, listen, I've got all the respect in the world for the comedians that made it without the internet, because you literally have to just grind out and do some. Some of these guys were doing like Sebastian Maniscalco. 
people think he just came out of nowhere. Sebastian was grinding it out for like 20 years. He went to L.A. He left everything. He went to L.A. I mean, to go to a comedy club, sometimes four or five at night, to do six minutes just to get your name out there. I mean, I have all the respect in the world for them. So when I was doing it, I didn't have that time to go to comedy clubs. And it's very discouraging, you know, doing a show here and there and you're doing it for two years and no one's really, you know, knowing who you are. And um, I ended up meeting my wife and I just, I, I said, you know what, it's time to settle down. And I kind of lost track of comedy and, um, <clears throat> you know, I was always a funny guy, but I just, I didn't have the passion for it at that time. And, and how about, uh, about how old were you then? Like what, what age are we talking I was about, about 26, 27. Gotcha. Okay. 27 years old. And, um, two years ago, you know, my, my life was good. Great. You know, I, I, we had my daughter and my daughter was getting older and, you know, she was kind of coming into her own personality and I, I started just writing and I went, I would go in my basement every day, every day for an hour and just write material. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, damn, this is good material. This is better than the, than what I did back then. You know, because as you mature, your your approach to comedy is different. The way you tell stories is different. So I started watching my old stuff, and I'm like, damn, I sucked back then. <laughs> and I was making people laugh, but I, 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 it's just, you know, the 35, 36 year old you is different than the 25 year old you. Yeah. And um, I just started writing, man. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm gonna get back into it. And I did a year of research on social media where I literally had <clears throat> graphs and charts in my basement and I would track um, like no name comedians online and I would see who was growing more than the other one and what were they doing different. And I started building a pattern of like analytics and, and, and it, it just all made sense. And I, I said, I'm going to come out with a character. I'm going to attack an Italian audience because that's the audience I know best. And the first show I did, I, I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to rent out a theater of 400 people. And she's like, what? I go, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to jump into it. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm a firm believer. You have one life to live. If you don't make the best out of it, you're going to waste it. I said, I'm just going to jump in. What's the worst going to happen? Nobody buys tickets and I lose, you know, I lose five, 6,000. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, you're nuts. And we ended up selling out the theater of 425 people for a show back, a lot of friends and family. And from there, man, it just it, it took off. That's amazing. I mean, you're coming to uh, uh, Seymour up here, and this yeah. is the uh, the lower Naugatuck Valley, right? So I live in Derby, which is right next to Seymour. And so, okay. I mean, you're you're coming. I mean, we're more like there is still an old school Bronx type feel up here. I mean, we're not, we're you know, it's not a not a city. I mean, it's technically a city, but it's definitely old school. You have uh, Italian, Irish, Polish. Uh, right up here. So, do you is that by design? Do you try to target place? Do you get that deep into the analytics where you're you're going to places where you know you're going to find some of the uh, the groups of people that you grew up around in New Rochelle? No, tell you the truth. I one thing I, I mean, one thing that I didn't expect doing this, and 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 I had I mean, listen, everybody has a dream of getting big. This I mean, this literally happened in seven months where. In seven months, I, I, had, I had to quit my job because it was getting too busy, and now I find myself traveling. I mean, we have like 40 shows booked from now until December. It's crazy. I don't do the bookings, but what I've realized and what I love is that I'm finding out places that I didn't even realize there were so many Italians there. <laughs> and like, like St. Louis, I'm like, there are Italians in St. Louis, Missouri? But Connecticut, I found out, is like such a huge market for what I do, but – it's the Italians, it's the Irish, it's the Polish, it's Portuguese. It's all these old school 
um, nationalities that are reaching out to me going, you have to come to Connecticut. And I did the show in Westport. Let me tell you something. My Connecticut crowd was one of the best crowds I've had. I mean, yeah, I heard you sold that out. Really... You sold out Westport, right? That's, uh, I mean, yeah, crazy. yeah. We, we sold out, I think, in four days. It was crazy. Oh, that's good. And I think Seymour C- should be a huge crowd also. But, uh, no, I don't really, I don't, I don't look at where the Italian market is. I just, you know, people reach out to me and I, I call my, my, my agency and I'm like, hey, Roger, listen. I'm getting a bunch of responses from Connecticut. I'm getting a bunch of responses from here, there. And I just go where, you know, the, the, the audience wants to see me. But uh, Connecticut, man, all, I'm, I'm excited because I've got Seymour, and then we've got a couple other places in Connecticut that we're doing. And uh, Connecticut's a, a really, really good crowd. You've got to be a little careful uh, at the Strand. I mean, Artie Lang did perform there in January. I was actually in the audience. He killed. He did a great show. Uh, and then he was basically never heard from again. You know, just uh, there might be a little bit of a Yeah, let's, there. let's hope that doesn't rub off on me. Well, I mean, me and Artie Lang have different uh, habits. Let's just keep <laughs> that. I don't, I don't have those habits. Poor Artie. So, and listen, that's a sad story, but a lot of people, like same thing with comics like that. You know, everyone's so quick to judge. Listen, it is not easy to, to make people laugh every day. Mm. And a lot of these guys, they get into such a hole where it, it's weird. Like, think about this. The guys, like Robin Williams. He's a guy that made the whole world laugh, and he was the most depressed. Mm. You know, it's, they lose the passion. Like, my first passion is to make someone laugh. That's my first passion before doing shows and doing comedy. Making someone laugh, it's just a passion I've always had because in my eyes, if I have you laughing for the hour that you're sitting in front of me, whatever you're going through in life, whether you have a loss in the family, whether you have an illness, that hour that you're laughing, you're in a good mood. And, you know, one thing I noticed, you have a lot of, uh, it's like Governor's, you're, you have a lot of video and content connected to uh, the Governor's uh, Comedy Club out there in Long Island. Is that sort yeah, of your Governor, home club? So, well, James, is, uh, James, the owner of Governor's, was the first one to reach out um, and actually give me a shot at a legitimate comedy club with no experience. Um, I said, well, who am I opening for? Anybody famous? That'd be kind of cool. And he's like, no, you're headlining. And I'm like, I'm, excuse me? No kidding. And Governors was one of the clubs that I, was on my list. Like I have a list of twelve clubs around the country. That was one of the clubs. So uh, they gave me my first shot at a comedy club, and uh, we sold out the small club. And then I ended up doing Levittown, and we had two back-to-back sold-out shows. And Kevin James actually, I guess, heard about the hype and the fact that it was sold-out shows. He came and actually did fifteen minutes uh, before me. Oh, so to follow Kevin. Yeah, that was that was, ooh. that was unbelievable. Was it? I mean, was it a, a positive experience? Because you always hear that you know, following, you know, an one, A-list celebrity guy can can be daunting or no, kills the one, crowd. One thing, one thing about me, man, it's it's um, I want someone better or more seasoned than me going before me because they raise that bar. You have no choice but to but to raise it more or meet it. And uh, I love that he went on. Um, when I did, I did Gotham recently. We did a charity event for Chaz Palminteri. Um, one of my favorite comics, Chris DiStefano, uh, he was supposed mm-hmm. to go on after me, and he he had another gig that he had to get to. So they said, uh, you know, you have to go after Chris. And I'm like, all right. They're like, you you don't mind? That doesn't bother you? I'm like, why 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 would it, does he have bad breath? Is the mic gonna smell? <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're. And obviously, yes, I know comics don't like some of them don't like to go after someone that's bringing that same type of energy. I love it. Because to me, it's like the crowd is just at an all-time high. 
But, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Following Kevin was uh, a very, very big highlight so far in uh, in my comedy career. All right. And, oh, let me just add the, the, the last thing I want to ask you about, even though you, you sort of brought it up, was uh, Crashing, the HBO show uh, Crashing. Uh, which sort of, if anyone hasn't seen it, it chronicles uh, uh, the, the upcoming career of a guy who, who, who is in a marriage and decides to sort of, uh, uh, the marriage ends and he, and he starts to make it, uh, or tries to make it as a stand-up comic uh, based loosely on the life of uh, uh, Pete Holmes. Uh, and mm-hmm. so you, you had a positive reaction uh, to it? I, I haven't talked to an actual stand-up yeah, I've, comic I've only about seen, I've only se- I've seen two episodes. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen. I always love when uh, comics, you know, share their story on what it took to make it because it's easy to sit back and and watch a comedian and laugh at him. You don't realize the struggle that that goes on. You know, it's listen. I'm I'm doing shows at multiple places. Sometimes I'm doing I'm going back around to that same place, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. I don't want you paying for a ticket twice and coming to see the same material. So I'm constantly, you know, I might add 20, 30 minutes. I might add, you know, 15, 20 minutes. If I add at least 25, 30 minutes, then technically you've just seen a new show. So it's not easy. You know, everyone asks me, well, what's the hardest thing about stand-up? I go, stand-up to me is easy. Getting on stage in front of a bunch of people, that's easier than what I do online. Because when I do the sketch videos, that's, that's purely me thinking what's funny. I don't have an audience to feed off of. I'm posting a video hoping that everyone watching finds it funny. That's harder than doing the stand-up. But the whole struggle, man, of, of grinding it out and, and, and writing material and that pressure you have on yourself, well, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? So I love all the documentaries showing you know, behind the scenes, like what comics go through trying to please the audience, trying to write material, grinding it out. But um I try to tell a lot of these guys that are grinding it out, like I'm meeting a lot of comics now, and it amazes me how 90% of them are not taking full advantage of social media. Oh, really? Like in it's, what way? It's crazy. Like you have comedians out there that have a name for themselves without social media, and they would be so much bigger with a social media presence. And some of them say to me, hey, listen, Ant, I love how you 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 feel like it's easy to write material every day, but it's not. And I'm like, you got to do something. You got to get out there. You know, a lot of them are, are, are nervous about putting their stand up on social media. Well, someone's going to take it. Good. Let them take it. Let them steal your material. That's fine. As long as people watch you doing it, you know, you build an audience. I mean, without social media, I wouldn't be doing all these shows. There, there would be no way. And do you think that uh, philosophy that you've developed I mean, also coupled with the fact you don't seem to get nervous if you have a guy like Kevin James uh, up here before you at a show. Is that from right. the maturity gain from stepping away and then having a career and, and doing the, uh, uh, you know, the normal nine to five gig and then coming back? Do you think that gives you a little perspective? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Everybody asks me, do, do, do they, do I think stepping away from comedy made it, made my passion for comedy greater? Absolutely. And, and, and I, this is so Italian to do this, but I'm going to compare it to food. <laughs> it, 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 I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to compare it to a diet. It's almost like an Italian going on the Atkins diet and comedy was bread and pasta. And I gave it up for seven years. And when I came back, I just jumped all over it. Like I literally just threw bread and pasta in a bathtub and I covered myself with it. So it. it's like, I missed it. I legitimately missed it. I mean, listen, it's, it's an amazing feeling 
to put your mind to something, do what you absolutely love doing, and actually make it when you try it with all the people doubting you. There's no no gratification greater than that. And um, it, you just got to do it, man. You got to just jump in. You, you can't put your toe in the water and see if it's cold or not. You got to just jump in, and you, you won't know unless you do. All right. That's a good thought on which to end. I want to thank you uh, so much, Anthony, for taking a few minutes and I encourage people to support live comedy in Connecticut, specifically the Naugatuck Valley, by going to treehousecomedy.com and buying tickets for the June 29th show with Anthony at The Strand, presented by uh, Treehouse Comedy Productions. Follow him on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash Rodea. I can't speak. Rodea Comedy, facebook.com <laughs> slash Rodea Comedy. He's Uncle Vinny. That's that's what happens when I cover uh, government budget meetings, tax increases uh, <laughs> the entire week. So I apologize for my no, marble mouth. Problem, All right, Anthony, have a good one and good luck. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.